Welcome to the Arc Stories Podcast. Arc Stories are true, personal, and told in person at Arc Stories events by the people who live them. Our podcast brings recordings of those stories straight to you for your listening enjoyment. I'm your host, story coach, Chris Kinsley. Today we have just one story for you. It's a bit longer than the stories we normally feature, but it is so worth the listen. Now, we definitely spend a lot of our time focused on finding and coaching storytellers for our monthly live events. However, what you may not know is that we also love to partner with other groups and organizations to help them tell their stories well. And earlier this year, we had the great honor and privilege of doing just that in partnership with the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute. This was something we had wanted to do for a very long time, and we were so pleased with how it all went. The theme for the night was marching on stories about growing up in the civil rights era. We loved every story that was told that night, but this one we're bringing you today was most certainly a standout. When our director, Taylor Robinson, was coaching the storyteller, he told her he was going to introduce her as a foot soldier in the civil rights movement. Her response? No, no. I wasn't a foot soldier. I was a general. So, here's general and storyteller, Katherine Burks Brooks. I'm going to start my story in Nashville, Tennessee. Although my story starts about 70 years ago, but I'm going to start in Nashville. When we heard that Cor was giving up the Freedom Ride, and we said no, we decided with the one or two who was kind of disagreeing, wanted to carry on with the picnic. Mm-hmm, our hamburgers and hot dogs, and, and I know we had some type of cake and Coke. We, there in Nashville, was known as the Central Committee, a few of us, and we were having this picnic celebrating some victory that we had. We had integrated the uh, lunch counters there, the theaters, and we had also integrated some churches. We used to have what we call pray-ins. But we didn't want the Freedom Ride to stop. One of our members had been with the Freedom Ride when it first started in Washington, D.C., and this was John Lewis, which is Congressman Lewis now. But he was not with them there in Anderson because he left because he was going to India to do some more studying of uh, nonviolent. So we all decided, okay, we will just uh, put our sandwiches back in our bag and we will go back to our office and have the meeting and decide what we was going to do. And so when we had our meetings, and we used to always have meetings, and, uh, and we would talk everything out. Very seldom that you know, we would do this voting because we, we all agreed, very seldom. Now we had to figure out how we was gonna get the money. 
to buy our bus tickets. We had money, but the adult group handled the money. But we knew how to maneuver them to get the money. And sometimes we knew how to outnumber them in a regular meeting. We would have them call a meeting for early in the morning. <laughs> well, you know, some things you have to do. And this time, we called an early meeting. When we got to the meeting, they told us that, fine, that, uh, but it was only one of the treasurers there to sign the check. And so therefore, uh, we couldn't go. So one of our members said, hmm, I know who will sign the check with just one signature. You'd be surprised at the people that help that no one talks about, that help during the movement that no one talks about. So they said, who? He says, the numbers man. Numbers man signed the check. So my girlfriend and I, Lucretia Collins, we went back to the dormitory to pack a few things and went and talked with, our, uh, with the women uh, advisor to tell her what we were going to do. Now, she knew that not to try to talk us out of it because, like I said, we had integrated Nashville. So she told Lucretia, since I'm originally from Birmingham, she said, have Catherine's mother to invite you to Birmingham, and therefore both of you will be leaving the campus legally. So I called my mama, and she did. And uh, in the meantime, Diane Nash was our chairman at the time. Diane called Reverend Shuttlesworth to tell him that we were on our way and that we felt that the Freedom Ride must go on. It couldn't stop. And Reverend Shellersworth told her that he felt that it was too dangerous for us to come. <laughs> she told Reverend Shellersworth she didn't call to get his permission. <laughs> we, would, we, we were like that. <laughs> we were not turning back. And she told him that we were coming. She was calling to tell him that we were on our way. And so that uh, next morning, I guess around 8, 9 o'clock, it was 11 of us. We were from different colleges there. Got on that bus, and our goal was not to get arrested are beaten up until we got to Birmingham. <laughs> but we were on our way to New Orleans. My boyfriend at the time, Paul Brooks, and Jim Sword, you may have heard of uh, Jim Sword. Jim Sword was a white fella that was with us. He was a student at Fisk. And uh, I was a student at Tennessee A&I State University. And my boyfriend was a student at 
the Baptist College there. They decided that they were not going to do what we all had agreed to do. They had a seat together on the front seat on this Greyhound bus. And we didn't have a charter bus now. This was a regular Greyhound bus. So, all right. The rest of us just scattered ourselves throughout the bus. Fast forward then a little bit. We get to the city line of Birmingham. And guess what happens? Mr. Bull stops the bus. Eugene Bull comes. He stops the bus, and Eugene Bull Connor, for those who don't know, but I suppose everyone in here know, he was, a, he was one of the city commissioners. He told Paul and Jim Swerd to separate. They refused to separate. Paul refused to go to the back, and Jim refused to get up. So he told one of his, uh, one of his men said, all right, arrest him. Take him off the bus, and they did. He allowed the rest of us to come on into Birmingham. When we got to Birmingham, the first one stepped back up on the bus was that old bull again. So he said, I want to everyone else get off, and the Freedom Riders stay on. So we all got up get off. <laughs> we didn't have on, on anything saying that I'm a freedom rider. <laughs> we thought we had the bull then. He said, everyone have a seat. I want to see your tickets. And all of us that had a ticket from Nashville to New Orleans, he said, stay on the bus. He kept us on the bus, and the rest can get off. Now, but what had happened to our luck, we had another uh, white person with us, young lady from Peabody. I think that's the name of her school. She missed the bus in Nashville. So one of our members had to take her to the next town to get on the bus. And so therefore, she didn't have a ticket from Nashville to New Orleans. Her ticket was from whatever that name of that little town to New Orleans. So she got off the bus, called Reverend Sheldersworth and, and uh, called Diane back to our office to let them know what was going on. So they kept us on the bus for maybe about two hours or more, and uh, Bull Connor had him to put uh, paper on all of the windows of the bus. So, so uh, the outsiders that had gathered around couldn't see us. And even my mother had, uh, which I didn't, of course I didn't know it at that time, was down there trying to see if she could see me. Bull let us off, and of course, the blacks went straight to the white waiting room, and the two and the one white uh, girl that we had now 
uh, went straight to the um, black waiting room. And we stayed there in the bus station, I guess for maybe about a couple of hours. Here come the bull again. He told us that we were all under arrest. And he said it was for our protection, for our protection. Protected uh, custody, I think that was he called it. So of course, we didn't fight him, he had the power. We went right on, he carried us to the city jail. And by now, you know, it's getting dark, and it's almost bedtime, but it was still early. When we walked in, and they put us with the uh, regular uh, people that was in, uh, in jail, and the uh, ladies was playing cards, and Lucretia and I love to play cards, so <laughs> we asked them if we could play cards with them, and then they said yes, and, and so we introduced ourselves, told them about the movement and about why we were there and what they need to be doing, and, and <laughs> yeah, and how many times we had been arrested. I had been I had been arrested once in Birmingham, and I think it was at Lummers. Yeah, at Lummer's lunch counter, and I'd been arrested four times there in, uh, in Nashville, so, you know, being in jail was no big thing with us, because I knew I was going to either have to take the floor or the top bunk. And, so, <laughs> and we played a few hands and uh, took the top bunk and went on to sleep, and that next morning got up for breakfast, and... Um, then the next night, the warden came in, uh, the guard, and she told Lucretia and I to put our clothes on, that we were getting out. We jumped up, put our clothes on, and about an hour, hour 30 minutes, maybe two hours, no guard. So we pulled our clothes off and got back in the bed. And she came about 30 minutes later angry with us. Didn't I tell you all to get your clothes on? And so we got up and put our clothes on. You all leaving here. And she didn't say where the bull was taking us. But then, just before we got out of the jail, we heard that the bull was taking us back to Nashville. And we had always been taught that if you don't want to participate, then you go limp. <laughs> so I stretched out on the floor. And bull had one of his policemen to pick me up and carry me out of the jail to the limousine that was going to take us back to Nashville. Now that limousine sure did look good. And I think that was the first time that I was that close to a limousine. And but I didn't let it on now. No. And uh, there's a picture out with uh, one of the policemen 
hand on my shoulder and it's and then the, the hand on the other hand on the limousine and so it looked like he's helping me in the in the limousine but oh no he's pushing me on up in the limousine and so well and I said all right and I didn't I didn't push back they had the power and we knew what we was going to do as soon as we got back to Nashville we knew what we was going to do so in the limousine, I was on the front seat in the middle. Bull was on one side but over by the window and the driver. And in the back, that was John Lewis, Lucretia Collins, and a man from the Birmingham News. I don't know his name. And everything was calm and cool. And Bull and I started a conversation. And it was not a hostile conversation. It was, it was smooth. No one was uh, screaming or howling or coughing. And Bull was enlightening me on a few things. And one thing three things that stick with me that he was uh, enlightening me on. No, just two of them. One that stick with me, but never, I was never able to carry it out. Bull went on to tell me about the, 40, the 1948 Democratic Convention. Now, I act as if I knew what he was talking about, but I didn't. No, this was when the Dixocrats started, when they walked out of the Democratic Party and started the Dixocrats because they were letting some blacks in to the Democratic Party and to take an active part. And they had their meeting, and I'll be pointing and pointing the wrong direction, but not that far from here at what used to be the city auditorium, which is the Botwell now. History now, I'd never read this in any of my history books. And they ran Strong Thurman for president. Mm -hmm, I didn't know that. And I didn't know when Bull was telling me this that Strong Thurman has a, had a daughter a black daughter all the time. That came out later. <laughs> sure did. But one thing, one thing I can say about old Strong, he took care of us. Still to college and everything. And when he died, the family recognized her and she said she didn't want anything from him. So I guess he had given her what she wanted. Yes. But the hell strong, you wouldn't think he, he was taking care of black daughter. And uh, so the, the conversation was going like this. And uh, when we got to Cullman, and I guess uh, maybe you young folks don't know what I'm talking about, about Cullman. Cullman used to be a mess. Yeah, a triple mess. When we got to Cullman, Bull say, I better pull these curtains. Now you know there was no curtains on this in, in this limousine. 
you know, he was making a joke about the curtains. He said, because you know you all not supposed to be up and coming this time of morning. Well, it may have been probably about 2 o'clock, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. But I knew, because my father worked at the Alabama Byproduct, and it's still going down there in Tarrant City. And I used to hear him talk about Cullman. And Cullman was a sundown town. And some of you young folks may not know what I'm talking about when I say a sundown town. That meant that if you were black, you better be out of there by the time the sun go down. Mm-hmm. Unless somebody knew you awful well, or you was coming out of one of those houses that you were working up in there. The conversation went on like that. And even though when we were uh, talking about the sundown town, it was not hostile. The car stopped. And I said, oh, Lord, what's fixing to happen now? And one of the policemen went to this house. A man came out, got in the car with us. He had a collar on. And so I suppose he was a, a preacher. He got in the car and didn't say a thing, and then, then we uh, took off. And I invited the bull to have breakfast with us. Yes, at Tennessee State. No, not at Tennessee State, but down on Fisk campus, because Tennessee State State School, he, he couldn't have gone in the, the cafeteria there to have any food. And he agreed. Yes, he said that he would uh, eat breakfast with us. When we got to the state line, all of a sudden, and I didn't know it was the state line, where we were on these tracks, railroad tracks, the car stops. Bull tells the uh, policeman to put our bags out, throw, throw the bags out. And he pointed to a building. He said, that's a train station over there. And you all can get a train back to Nashville. Now here I'm thinking, I'm leaning back and everything and running my mouth. He's thinking I'm going on into Nashville in, in this car. Now I got to get a train back to Nashville. So I could let the bull have the last word. So I hollered at the bull before the, the doors on the car closed, and I knew he heard me. I said, we'll see you back in Birmingham by high noon. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only thing I could think of that was strong enough without cursing. <laughs> and you young people may not know what I meant by high noon. But see, long time ago on those two channels that we had, <laughs> two TV channels, we used to want to watch a lot of cowboy movies. And uh, if anything was going down, if somebody done, done the wrong thing, you better be out of town by high noon or you know what's going to happen. <laughs> Behind the old corral. And so then we said, oh, 
We walked on over to this building that we thought was a train station. It was no one in that building, no lights on, the doors were locked. And you know what went through our minds then, that the Klan was coming. So we stood next to the building, had another meeting, and we decided now it was nine of us now because uh, Paul and Jim were still in jail. So we decided that three of the uh, boys would go walking, looking for a black community because we could tell the difference from usually that the type of houses that the black live in and the types that the whites live in. So they left and about 30 minutes later, they came back and said they didn't see in the houses that looked like they were black houses. So we all decided then that we would uh, stay together and just walk down the tracks because we knew that if we ran up on some houses on the tracks, usually there would be some white folks on one side and black folks on the other side. And so after maybe about 30 minutes or so, we did find some houses. And we looked over there, we looked up, so, uh, that's where the blacks live, right over there. <laughs> and so true enough, that, that was where the blacks live. We knocked on the door, the man came, uh, came to the door. Now it's about, what? It's about four o'clock in the morning. And we explained to him what had happened, what, what Bull Connor had done us, and we wanted to use his phone because we needed a car to get back to Birmingham by high noon. <laughs> That's what we wanted to call our office to get a car. And so he was a little afraid. We could understand that because if they'd have found out that he was helping, had helped us, you know what was going to happen to him. And but I thought about what my mother had always said: always talk, try to talk to the lady in the house if you need some help. <laughs> so I said, "You all, let's talk loud and wake up his wife." And we did. <laughs> and I could, I, I could close my eyes and uh, hear those locks coming off the door now and uh, hear her saying, let them children in this house. <laughs> That's right. And then I ran right to the phone and we, was, uh, we had someone in our office uh, 24 hours. Called, called back to the office, Diane was there, and we told her uh, what, had, uh, what had happened. And she told us that uh, she had heard, of, of course, that uh, we had been arrested. And another group, they had got another group together, and that group was on their way, another group of Freedom Riders out of Nashville was on their way into here. Some was coming by train, some coming by bus. And a group out of, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, 
was on the uh, on this way. It's now so now here we are, and for this little town backing up a little bit, this little town is Artmore, Alabama, and I usually get it confused with Atmo, but it's Artmo, the Tennessee line. And skipping a little bit here too, before I forget this, we learned years and years later that there was only six black families in that town. Mm-hmm. That's what I said, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> one of our members, you may as well laugh at this mess, because it, 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 it was a mess, was up and down. But the fear was gone. We were ready to die. If we, we didn't want to die now. But we knew when we left Nashville that it was a strong possibility. So we had the, the uh, boys to go out and get some breakfast. And uh, they went around to several little stores so they wouldn't think that uh, it was that many people in a house when they were not used to seeing anything like that. Then our car arrived. One of our members from Nashville uh, borrowed another member's uh, mother's car. And we are all so thankful to her, and she was a white woman. Let him use her car to come and get us from Otmore, Alabama, and to carry us back to uh, Birmingham. So we was trying to get here before high noon. But okay, we didn't make it before high noon. But we uh, we got in the, in the car, and so we was uh, being a little smart, so we wouldn't uh, sit up all of us at the same time. Some of us was kind of lean down at all time, and Lucretia and I would lean over on the fellas if it was boyfriend and girlfriend. So they, you know. If they were looking for us, they would say, nah, they, you know, that's not them. And one of our fellows was uh, from that, uh, not from Artmore, but didn't live that far from there. And so he knew some back roads that we could take getting back to Birmingham. And we heard on the news that uh, Commissioner Bull Connor has taken care of the Freedom Ride. We learned later that he had even told President uh, uh, Kennedy that he had taken care of, sent us back to Nashville, and we was on our way back to Birmingham. And so we didn't do anything but laugh. And so when, uh, when we got in Birmingham, of course, me being from Birmingham, uh, not that far from where Reverend Shellsworth lived, and I knew some uh, back roads to take to Reverend Shellsworth's house, and we went to uh, his house. Well, when, of course, by this time, he knew we were coming because uh, uh, Diane had called and uh, told him. And uh, they were saying on the radio that we were on our way to Nashville, and we were in Birmingham. Uh, Reverend Billups is no longer with us now. Some of you all may have heard of his his name, he was a minister here, and he also participated 
in the movement, and someone wrote a book about him, the man who escaped the cross. He, they, they tried to hang him, and, and he escaped. He carried, he was at Reverend Shuttlesworth, he carried me to see my mother before going, trying to go on into Montgomery. And uh, I saw her, she looked and saw that I, I had everything. And, and then I went back over to uh, Reverend Shuttlesworth. And then we all ate. And I don't remember then, I think that was about the, what we had had breakfast, and now, you know, it, it was, what, almost uh, uh, dinner time. And we went to, uh, back to the bus station. And Bull was not there. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I never did see him again. But we stayed in the bus station for something like 18 hours. No bus driver would drive us, saying that they was saying that uh, they were not going to give up their lives for some niggas. So I understand later that uh, President Kennedy told the Greyhound bus people that they were going to fly a black soldier in here and he would drive the bus. They found the bus driver. And we had all the protection that we needed, leaving Birmingham. Policemen on, on both sides, back and front, helicopter and airplanes. <laughs> oh yes, I, even, I leaned back and I dozed off. <laughs> sure did. I dozed off, and I'm going to stop right there, and the rest of it is history. If you'd like to learn more about Katherine Burke's Brooks's Freedom Ride or about the Freedom Rides in general, PBS's American Experience has produced a great film called Freedom Riders. You can find a link to it in our show notes. So, thanks for listening to the Arc Stories Podcast. I've been your host, Chris Kinsley, and you can find me on Twitter at Chris Kinsley. This podcast is produced by Taylor Robinson and myself. Francesco D'Andrea composed our theme. Special thanks to Eric Chapman from Symmetric Sound for audio expertise. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, recommend us to your friends, and we'd especially like it if you would leave us a review. You can also visit our website, arcstories.com. There you can listen to other stories, you can stay up to date with all of our events, and you can even submit your own story. After all, we are always asking, what's your story? <laughs>